Okay. Episode five of season Season five five of Relay (laughs) SA. How do you feel? This is, it gets better and better. I I love it. I'm so excited. Um, This interview that we're doing, um, everyone knows that Relay SA is about a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada and that there's a bit of a relay. So everyone we interview suggests some names or folks we can interview next. So we kind of have this connected conversation. And so I was super excited when Chris Adam um, suggested that we interview Melanie Kunderman. So, and Chris Adam was suggested by Darren Fernandez and Darren was suggested by Jen. So we've kind of got this really great relay going. Um, but I was super excited because Melanie um, currently is the Associate Dean of Students at the Schwartzman Scholars, which she talks about a lot in the interview and I'll let her explain that. But before, worked for many years um, at Quest University and oh, yeah, it I is, love that. I was obsessed. Yeah. She would present every year at caucus and I would always sit in the front <laughs> row of her presentations because A, she's amazing, but B, um, the work that they were doing and yeah. the environment that they were doing just felt so unique. It's kind of a very small school. Um, they use kind of like the block system for curriculum. So you do kind of one course at a time. Anyways, it's just so interesting. It was and very, um, uh, a great deal of experiential learning. So Anyhow, when Chris was like, you should talk to Melanie Kunderman, I was like, yep. great, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Um, so her work now with the Schwartzman Scholars, though, um, she works in China. So finding a time for the interview was a bit tricky. So I was just going to say, like, even though it's really essay, student affairs across Canada, technology allows us to interview someone outside of Canada. Yeah, China. So that was phenomenal. But, and actually, it was convenient because... Um, Melanie was uh, in Canada visiting some friends. Okay, amazing. So we ended up kind of closing the loop a little bit when she had some time. She was at West. So um, thank you, Melanie, for making the time. And I can't wait for people to hear about your experiences and your insights and the way you take up your work. Let's do it. I will declare that I'm not the type to have any yes. It's worth all the shares. The number one podcast is student affairs. Want to hear what they have to say, along with all the guests that pop in on the way. For the delay, it's me, they, yes, hey. All right, so Melanie, I hit record. We're starting. Great. Can you tell me your full name? Melanie Kunderman. Kunderman, and where do you currently work? So currently I'm uh, an associate dean at Schwartzman Scholars, and that's uh, it's a graduate level program in uh, Tsinghua University in Beijing, China. Okay, so we're going to kind of do a full circle back because I have so many questions about that job. It sounds amazing. (laughs) But let's start like a little bit more towards the beginning. So in this relay, Chris Adam, I think in our interview a couple of seasons ago, recommended that we speak to you. And I was so pumped because I think I've gone to almost presentations (laughs) over the years and loved to come out to Quest to visit you when you were there. Um, so I'm, I'm super hyped for this conversation. Oh, thank you. Um, but where, let's start at the, let's go way back. Where, where are you from? Where do you, where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Bowmanville, Ontario, which is about an hour east of Toronto. Small town. Okay. And I, if my, if our research team is correct, you did your undergrad at McMaster? <laughs> is your research team you? Yeah, it's me and Nadia <laughs> and Google pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I did my I did my undergraduate at McMaster in um, English literature, and um, and that's really where I got you know I was first sort of exposed to to 
student affairs, student life. I was uh, I was elected as a, a floor rep in my going into my second year at McKay Hall at McMaster, um, and at that time it was still an all student elected, student run resident system. Right. Uh, and so I I did that in my second year. Um, stayed on in my third and fourth years in progressing positions to you know chair of this the council and. Uh, uh, I think I was vice president of the inter inter resident stu- uh, student council, uh, and and just really got involved in uh, uh, in student life in that way. So that was my my first exposure. I hadn't even sort of thought that there were such a thing as as careers in student affairs. Keeping in mind that 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 piece of my life was all pre internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, in in doing some of these interviews, I've noticed that for folks who have done careers in student affairs that there was like someone who pointed it out to them? Was there a few people or a person who kind of was like, this is an option for you? There was, there was, um, one of the other student leaders in the, in our residence, uh, his name was Ralph Robinson and he was, uh, just so inspiring, his passion for his work. And um, he was the one actually who pointed out, he was the one who convinced me to run for election uh, for several different positions. He, uh, you know, a few years later, brought to my attention that there was this master's degree program in student affairs at Memorial University. And uh, uh, so he was he was a real mentor in that. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But uh, I always credit so much of my work to him and his his influence. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Um, so did you go big, do your master's right after McMaster? Uh, let's see. No, I went and did a teaching degree. So I, I became a high school teacher and I taught, uh, English literature and history in Ontario, in Oshawa, uh, and then I went abroad and taught. Well, I was the uh, English language program coordinator at a K to twelve school in um, Thailand, just outside okay. of Bangkok. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, so that, yeah, so that was wonderful. I um, I went from that to uh, I came back to do my master's degree after that, and, and went out to Memorial in Newfoundland, where I was a, a hall master. Uh, so like a, a proctor, I think they called it, uh, in uh, Rothmere House uh, for two years. And I um, uh, I just had so, such uh, so much good fortune there. They, they provided so many wonderful growth opportunities. I was uh, chair of the Graduate Students Union um, when my wonderful colleague, Darren Newton, was, was the president. And um, uh, I worked in the international student uh, services area, uh, and then ended up doing my my master's thesis was a, a needs assessment for the university as they were intending to double and triple the number of international students uh, at at the university at a time when when Newfoundland's um, population was declining. Okay, and I feel like that's still relevant today. That's the conversation um, with a lot of colleagues from out east. Yeah, you absolutely. I mean, I think I, I think across Canada, a lot of universities are um, uh, looking at international students either to fill capacity or else, uh, you know, or, or else to to increase revenue um, to to be able to sustain certain programs. And uh, my my master's thesis was all about, you know, okay, recognizing the reality of that, but recognizing that. 
the value of, of providing an exceptional student experience. If you are going to put the money into recruiting and, and committing to, to uh, bringing students to the campus to uh, provide like, equally uh, committing to ensuring that they, they thrive and they have an exceptional experience on your campus. Mm. That's so important. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just we just look at the numbers, but don't think about the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I had that was one of the things that I really loved about working at Quest was seeing the experience that you know all of our students had, but especially our, our international students comparatively, um, because our classes were just twenty students maximum. Um, you saw international students you know, jumping in and integrating and making friends and uh, very quickly um, because everybody lived on campus and everybody was in these 20 student classes um, where you're, you're working in small groups uh, that change from day to day. And, uh, and, and so I, I saw like sort of a side effect of the block plan and, and that style of education was just this uh, much greater social interaction and, and integration, um, especially, especially relevant to, to incoming international students. So, well, let's take a step back and talk about Quest for a second, because folks might not know what a kind of special place it is. Um, and what, shortly after your master, did you go over to, to Quest? No, I actually I took another side, I took another side trip, and I um, joined the Canadian Foreign Service. So I was a diplomat uh, for the government for about six or seven years. Uh, in Ottawa, I did my training and my French language French language training. Anyone listening, <laughs> make sure you study French. Okay. Um, and uh, and so at headquarters, when I was working on um, policy before being posted overseas, um, I pushed them to, to move me to work on the foreign student policies. So I had the pleasure of working on, on um, uh, Canada's uh, international student policies in 2001 to 2003, when, um, right, right when they were in the middle of making all of those changes to the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. My colleague and I worked on two projects that I'm really proud of, um, especially now as I, as I hear people talk about how, they, how they've entered and stayed in Canada. Um, we rolled out two pilot projects that are now um, out across Canada, one of them being the off-campus work permits for um, foreign students. Right. Uh, and, the, and then the second one was the post-graduation work permit. And both of those are now just nationally and and a part of our our regular immigration um, legislation. So I'm really proud to have uh, have worked on those because I could see, having worked with with international students uh, um, for for years before I joined the the, the ministry, um, I was able to see what a difference that those two things would would make for for their experience in sort of integrating into Canada, building um, professional experience and professional connections um, while they're while they're studying, uh, and recognizing that these are are people who are wonderful potential immigrants for Canada. Like what a wonderful, rich you know source of 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 talent uh, talented people. So I'm I'm happy to hear that so many people are able to stay in Canada as a result of those. That's so cool and also so fabulous that you're able to know that your fingerprints are on those policies and that they're making a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was interesting this past year, you know, as, as um, I work with a lot of American students and foreign students in my, my the, the graduate program, Schwartzman Scholars. 
and as many of them uh, contemplate, uh, um, uh, you know, potentially, <laughs> potentially immigrating to Canada for various reasons. Um, one of the options that many of them were thinking of is is further studies in Canada because it provides then uh, a, a, an excellent way to to remain in Canada with with uh, internationally recognized, um, you know, excellent education from one of Canada's universities. Amazing, and also I think it's fabulous to hear about folks who have taken their education, their education in education and brought it to places outside of PSE, even though you're still working on PSE policy, you were doing it in kind of a political or diplomatic landscape. So there, you could take your master's in education into all sorts of different places. Mm -hmm. And I learned, I learned a lot from, I I did that policy work at headquarters and I think the, the policy work was fascinating and, and, uh, gave me a a real grounding in understanding, uh, uh, policy development and operate operationalization, you know, the, the, the challenges of that. And, and that's come in handy, you know, as, as I was setting up policies at quest and, and, and my work now as, as we, we just launched, um, Schwartzman scholars in, in 2016. And as we're developing, developing those policies that's come into play. Um, when I was, when I was posted out overseas as an immigration officer, I, I, um, had the opportunity to work with, um, all different kinds of, of, of populations from um, refugee applicants to skilled workers, uh, but also to student student applicants. And so it was really interesting to be able to then see how, uh, you know, the written legislation plays out on the ground as an officer having to, mm. to make decisions based on this. So, no, I, I gained a lot from that. But I, I have to say I, I knew within if I'm honest, within a few weeks of, of, um, of being on the job in the government that I, I would go back to working in, in education. I, I really missed working with students. So when, when the opportunity to work at Quest came up, um, I, I, uh, I jumped at that. And what was that opportunity? Well, they were they were getting ready to launch and open in 2007, and and a couple of years earlier, a friend of mine had told me that that this new school was was uh, you know under construction and and uh, in development, and I I looked at it immediately, and it it seemed like it addressed many of the reasons I had left working in education, and you know many of the things that I think are so valuable to to. Um, to student development, um, both from my experience as being a high school teacher and 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 then working at a few different universities and, and university programs, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of of having that uh, that on campus living experience, and at Quest, that's a, a mandatory part of the the program. Um, I also just see the value of 20 student classrooms, um, and and now I'm a huge proponent of the block plan, where where students can take one course at a time for three and a half weeks. And I, you know, it was so refreshing. I'd have students walking into my uh, to my office regularly saying, you know, Mel, my mind was blown twice in math class this morning, and you know, to see that kind of excitement. Um, I jokingly used to say to students, you know, prospective students, you know, who are considering coming to Quest, you know, to to really learn about and think about about it and get an understanding of it because they'd have to do a lot more work and pay a lot more money to to come, you know, to get a degree there, um, but that it would be absolutely worth it if if that if they felt that that's what they were they were ready to do they're ready to put that that effort in and to see just the 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 development and the impact on on students and 
I'm visiting back in Squamish here for for a couple of weeks uh, right now, and and just running into alumni after alumni, and and some some current students still, and and just hearing from them how much it impacted them is uh, is. Uh, just something that makes my my heart happy. <laughs> well, and so for people who don't know, so it's kind of how many people are at Quest? Like, what? How many students are? Well, it's a maximum. At maximum, it's about seven hundred. So it's it's intentionally kept uh, kept quite small. Now, I've been gone for two years uh, as I've I've been um, launching this other program in China. So I don't know if if any. Uh, if any any of that has changed uh, in terms of their plans for the future, but um, it's never intended to be a large, large university. Right. And some of the key features were, um, like you were saying, everyone lives on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the block this, plan. Uh, the block plan, which is kind of this curricular pedagogical <laughs> kind of framing where there's like people will do one course at a time in a particular mm-hmm. sequence. So that's pretty awesome and unique. I don't know of a lot of other places that do that. Um and the, the your question is like another key feature, right? Yeah, and that was really that was uh, you know the the founding faculty as they created this. I, I have to say that was that was a, a brilliant piece. As some other universities do the block plan, and and it's really effective. And I think a really transformative piece is that um, there's at Quest there's no. Um, Majors, you don't pick a major or minor, etc. Instead, at the, at the end of the the, the two year foundation program, um, students each individually develop a interdisciplinary question that they wish to use to drive their final two years of study. And getting to see how people combine areas of interest and curiosity, and 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 how they approach that, and and then. The, the courses that they very carefully select to thread back to their question, you know, it's just so different than, than you know, and I, I love my literature degree, but, but, you know, you just had a list of, you know, you have to take this many classes from this list, this many classes from this list. Seeing the intention and the thought that goes into um, student developing their course plan um, at Quest was was really inspiring. So I'm, I'm uh, again, a, a big, big proponent of that. And the other, I remember being so amazed hearing also about some of the, the community challenges. Was that what it was called? Where kind of everyone would gather to do oh, some we had, sort of something together? Yeah, we used to, right from the beginning, we, we would have community days um, where twice, twice, once per semester, like once a term, um, we'd just cancel classes for the day and, uh, and then there would be, uh, um, a community day. And it was very different at the, you know, the first couple of years when we only had 70 students and then 120, you could do, you know, full group things as it, as the population grew, we had to rejig and rethink and, uh, uh, and come up, uh, come up with different ways of, of doing it. But it was, uh, it was always such a fun, a fun way to like pause, you know, just take a pause in the middle of a term, rethink, uh, you know, and, 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 um, refocus, um, you know, one year, the, th- when we were a little bit bigger, the theme was, um, try something new and all of the faculty and staff offered something, you know, and so different, you know, one professor, Jim, uh, took students skiing up at Whistler. And so just, a, you know, a few students went with him for the first time. And, um, what did I do? Oh, I think I took a group of students to the CrossFit gym to, to try, you know, do the, 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 the intro to CrossFit and, and, it, but the, but the whole theme for everyone was try something new. I think it was try something new, try something that scares you and, uh, um, to, to, to get people, um, out of their routines and habits, um, for a day to sort of bring some fresh thinking. Oh, amazing. Um, 
I've got two more questions about quests. One of them was around cornerstone sure. dinners. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, so, so uh, the cornerstone class was the the class that I, that every student took in their their first month on campus. I'm surprised you missed that. Um, and so I love I love to cook, and I I'm uh, I really love to cook healthy vegetarian food and. Um, so for each of the cornerstone classes, so 20 students, I'd invite them over to my, my house. One of the nights during their course, each class would come over at, with their professors and I'd invite a condo of our senior students, like third and fourth year students, um, to mix in with them. And, um, they would divide into teams. They had to follow the recipe. They had, you know, 30 minutes or 40 minutes to, to finish this. Uh, and I'd always tell the, the the senior students would arrive early, and I'd always tell them they're they're going to be one per team. But when the students are choosing a, a head chef, it can't be you. Like, don't volunteer because I, I wanted we wanted to get we really wanted to transmit that community feel and how we interact with each other to our incoming students faster. And um, so by doing this, you know, they got to sort of hang out with some of the older students right off the bat and also get used to working with them on projects in a non-acquiescent role. Like, so it, it's not going to automatically be that the fourth year student is the person in charge and they all they all are just working for them. Because the way our classes work is that you could have first year students mixed in with second and third and fourth year students in some of the classes and so I loved, yeah, we love doing these. I also just love modeling how easy it is to, to you know, to cook healthy food and, and how delicious it can be. Uh, and for so many students, that we, we always got great feedback on that. So many of them said how nice it was, you know, being away from home for the first time to actually be in somebody's home and cooking and that it, that it really made it feel like home for them. So, you know, and I do that, um, in, in Beijing in China in my program now with graduate students, we do, um, Sunday brunches or Sunday dinners at my place and, uh, um, students. And then some of our alumni, um, get invited to come over and, um, and we cook together and we eat together. And, uh, in, in a similar way, I, I love, for so many of them who haven't grown up cooking, I'm always amazed by that. Um, but but uh, I, I'm always happy when people ask me for recipes. And I just had an alumni send me a photo of the raw <laughs> chocolate tort she had made this week when she was at home with her family. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that uh, that that my influence, at least in uh, in the, the the realm of raw chocolate desserts, is uh, <laughs> is is spreading across the world. Uh. Amazing. But I was going to say, but food is such a food is such a community builder. It's such an amazing way for people to share. And um, Quest developed such a food culture that we we dropped as we were building out our residences. We dropped extra kitchens into um, into the the the, the buildings um, because our, our students just love to cook. And we were really we were lucky to have. Uh, for eight years, um, my wonderful colleague and the, our president, David Helfand, um, who also loved to cook. Um, and uh, so in some years, we would actually have like in the summertime when when we had summer classes, our, our uh, um, Iron Chef Challenge, where it would be David versus me. And we'd each have a bunch of sous chef students and uh, we'd have to plate a certain number of dishes Uh yeah, that, it was a ridiculous amount of fun. And uh, uh, David David was always sore about losing, to, as he said, losing to someone who's not even cooking, uh, because I often did raw, raw food dishes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, when it, when I had the chance, I think it was I can't remember. It was the caucus in Vancouver, and we had a chance to do a pre-conference visit to Quest, which was like I was so pumped for because I've been hearing about all the amazing things that you've been doing. Uh, in addition to the like the beautiful surroundings that of Squamish, I was amazed to hear about the, your staff and your team and how they wear so many different hats. And it's, it was interesting to hear folks living in residence, doing international, doing uh, different aspects of kind of traditional student life jobs. But because it was kind of such a tight community, it made so much sense. So I'm just wondering, as some, the person who kind of built that, um, what kind of things did you keep in mind as you were looking at designing this team for such a special institution? Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting. I mean, part of it was simply necessity. You know, when for the first two years, I was the only student life, like student affairs. I was my only staff member. Um, and so you just did everything. And then as as I could bring on one more staff member, you know, I needed a generalist who could cover a few areas. And, and so <clears throat> a little bit of it at, at, for the first sort of five or six years was simply like as I as we had the budget for me to bring on another person, it was, okay, finding first who was great, both personality and fit, and who is going to be good in a startup where there's a lot of ambiguity and a lot of adaptability and change. And, um, you know, one of my, one of my colleagues said that in general, like both for faculty and staff, you have people who are builders and and then people who are sustainers and, um, and, and, Neither one is, you know, better than the other. It's just a very different sort of skill set and mindset and comfort level. And, um, you know, and I, I can really see that now. And, I, I, you know, I can definitely see that I'm a startup person. I, I love having the million projects um, to get done and thinking through, you know, how those those pieces shape, uh, you know, shape the community. You know, do we go by first names only? Do we use the honorifics like doctor, um, do we, you know, all of these little things, I, I, I've become very interested in, in the environment because you have, you know, you have the academics and you have the pedagogy within, within courses you have, um, then you have the, you know, the living environment, et cetera. And then you have this, this wider environment of, of things like language. And do we have, you know, we, we, there, we had a, a monthly meeting called our community update meeting. Um, and, and, how do you run that? And, and what's the purpose? And, and all of these little things that overall, um, create an ethos, uh, on, on the campus. So I loved bringing in people who, um, for me, personality is a big part of it. Right. Um, I think in a startup, definitely. And in student affairs in general, you need people with a good sense of humor (laughs) and, um, you know, and, and, and who can, can, um, roll with the punches and, and, uh, uh, and deal with, with some of the ambiguity that comes, comes with the territory. There's no black and white guide for, you know, if this happens, then do this. As you know, you certainly know that from all of your years of experience. So, um, you know, uh, several of, of the, the team members up there were former teachers, um, former primary school teachers or, or, um, high school teachers, um, but had done interesting things 
I really like hiring people who have lived abroad or studied abroad. Um, I think that brings a, an, some additional layers of perspective and understanding mm-hmm. and, um, and also demonstrates to me again, um, a level of comfort with discomfort, you know, a level of, of adventure, sense of adventure and adaptability and flexibility and, and, and that they, they have a better, better ability to understand what some of our students are dealing with not only our international students, but our other students who are, you know, perhaps living away, living in a province or, you know, living, living away from home for the first time. So I I really look for dynamic people. I love, um, you know, I I think if, if any of your listeners are new, you know, new to the field or considering the field, working in a smaller place where, where you can, can be a generalist where you can, you can pick up a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, opportunities to do work in different areas. That's so valuable. Um, I didn't mention, um, you know, for, for seven years, um, in, in between those other contracts that I talked about for seven years. So from, I think like from 1996 or something like that to 2001, I, um, I was the, one of the, the directors of the English language summer school, you know, part of the, the Canadian government bursary program, um, at the Université de Sherbrooke in Quebec. And, you know, it was a program of 300 students. It just ran for six weeks in the summer. Um, but I managed all of the, you know, housing, health, um, uh, residence life, um, all of the, the the programming and workshop leadership workshops and things like that. All of those elements, student government, you know, within a within a six week program. Um, and and my years of doing that, I started that as an undergraduate student. Continued it. Um, continued working that um, during my years as a teacher, even because I, I just loved the job so much. And um, and you could see from year to year because it was only six weeks and then it changed, you know, the next year it was a whole new group of students. You could really see, you know, I, I, I got, I was very obsessive. I loved that program and it was so fun to play with. Like if we tweak this piece of it, if we tweak that, if we do this during, you know, their first day on campus, how that shapes the, you know, how that shapes and plays out in the overall um, uh uh, experience for students. So I, I, I learned invaluable skills uh, and, and gained so much experience um, from that that position. So those types of things, I think, are, are also wonderful ways for, you know, or if you, you have um, student staff that, that are great and are looking for a summer job, um, picking up a, a, a summer position on some of those types of programs is amazing. Yeah, totally. Oh, um. Well, I found a really good quote about um, someone was speaking very nice things about you and your and your work at Quest, saying that at Quest you sometimes faced some complex challenges, but you steered them through with incredible tact and leadership. So <laughs> I just thought I would share that because sometimes we don't hear the nice things. Oh, that's very kind. Yeah, I was so lucky. I had amazing colleagues there, and it's been fun being here for the last couple of weeks of catching up with them. One of the things I loved is just how much the you know, as a student life person, I got to work with and collaborate with faculty. I from 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 working here and working with these wonderful wonderful people, uh, I really gained an understanding of and appreciation for reading widely and. Um, a, you know, I was always amazed at, especially because so many of them come from that um, liberal arts interdisciplinary background. And um, 
you know, when you have friends who are the neuroscientist and the, you know, the psychologist and the, um, you, 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 you gain from, from, um, conversations with them as well as, as they think through planning and teaching their, their classes, how they want to develop students, et cetera. And so it's, it's, uh, yeah, really rich, rich, um, uh, environment here. So then there was a switch. Then you picked up and moved into a new role. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a, a similar role in that it's it's uh, overseeing all of the sort of outside of the classroom um, aspects for for students. But these ones are graduate students, and uh, so Schwartzman Scholars we launched in 2016. So it's a one year master's degree in global affairs, and it's a, a fully funded uh, program uh, for the students who who get into it. Um, Steve uh, Steve. Schwartzman, who's the the founder of it, really wanted to. Well, he recognized that there is a a, a, a lack of of understanding and expertise, um, you know, in areas like you know political leaders, in economic leaders, in in um, their work uh, in China, and so wanted to create, uh, you know, a cohort of of, of future global leaders in, in various fields, um, who will have a better understanding of China and, um, connections within China and, and be able to, to work as bridges between China and their country or China and the rest of the world for the rest of their lives. So we just graduated our second cohort and I'm just getting ready to welcome in our third cohort, um, here. And they, they live in the college, um, Schwartzman college at Tsinghua university in Beijing we're, we're about 40% American students, 20% Chinese, and 40% from the rest of the world. Um, I think our incoming class has about 36 different nationalities. Um, and, and so this has been, this has been uh, an amazing and interesting sort of confluence of my work as a, as a diplomat and, uh, and then my student affairs work. Um, I'm, I think I'm learning as much or more than the students, uh, from, from working within, uh, within this, you know, large and very prestigious Chinese university and, and starting up this program within it. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to get to work on, on developing a program again. And how's it going? Good. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, um, I, I will say it's, my my I am learning Mandarin, um, which was my my goal. I think I mentioned to you in one of my emails. I always have a, a, a goal for each year to learn something new. I started this when I was about thirty five, turning thirty five, and I decided to have every year I would focus on learning something new. And so last year was was Mandarin. I think I have to keep that a focus for another year because it is going very slowly. Uh, but it's so much fun to be to be learning a language again. Um, and then and then also, I, I, you know, as you know, a language is just, oh, provides you such a window in and especially in China, where, you know, taxi drivers and people at the market, etc. don't don't necessarily or don't usually speak much English. Um, it's been wonderful to be able to connect with people, even over my very limited, my limited, uh, um, Mandarin as it develops. Nice. Oh, I'm just, um, when I was kind of looking online, I was just so impressed with, um, and amazed by how you have moved around and you were, um, 
literally like coast to coast in Canada and then abroad and now kind of over in China. So what has moving and traveling around for work, what has, what are some of the pros and cons maybe of, of <laughs> that global and kind of national movement? You know, I think I, I, I think I even joined, I joined the foreign service partially because I recognize that I get bored very quickly if I don't have a steep learning curve. Okay. Um, you know, I love setting stuff up. I love being in a new position. Um, while that learning curve is steep, but then if it gets to that point where it's sort of more static, then I get bored. So I figured with the foreign service, I thought, well, if I have to move every two years, that'll keep it fresh, but I will have things like health insurance and, uh, and retirement savings at some point in my life. Um, Oh, there's definitely, I mean, I love the sense of learning that, that, you know, that, that comes every time you, you move to a new place where, you know, going to the grocery store is an adventure. Um, you know, and, and as, as much as, you know, I'm, I'm here back in Squamish and realizing, oh my goodness, I love this place. Squamish is just magical. Um, but I had sort of reached that point where I needed a bit of a kick in the pants. Like I needed, you know, I needed uh, a new challenge. And um, so I, so I think that's, that's the upside. The downside is certainly, you know, it's, it, it, I remember when I was, when I was uh, a diplomat, you know, changing locations every two years where you have to build a new social circle every two years, uh, et cetera, that, you know, that, that becomes, that becomes difficult. And at a certain point, you know, when you first get there, you're invested in learning the language and meeting people. But then at a certain point, when you knew you were going to be posted, you know, back to Ottawa or to another country, the, the, the initiative, for continuing that sort of would, would fall away. So it was an, it was an interesting, uh, sort of an interesting cycle. Hmm. And in terms of, I'm wondering if there's been any constant themes, because even though you've been in like many provinces and many countries, I'm wondering if there's any kind of through lines at the core of, of your approach to work that you feel helps you be successful. Yeah. Well, I think in you know, in, in everything I've done from, from high school, you know, working with high school students to undergraduates, to graduates, um, to, to adult, you know, running adult programs. I, I think I've always built, um, approaches and systems in ways that respect, you know, respect people and treat them as adults. And, mm. um, I, I, I like having as few rules as possible. Um, and, and, um, never, never creating, um, systems. Like I don't, I don't use fines or fees or demerit points or anything like that. I always try to deal with people the same way that I would, you know, work with a staff member or a friend. Um, you know, yeah, if someone breaks a window, you, you cover the cost of the window. Um, but I, you know, in, in everything we've built out is, is, is again, from high school up to graduate level. Um, I always tried to build systems where, and environments and that, that, that context piece where people, cooperate with, with, you know, the community expectations and the, and the community standards, um, out of a, out of a respect for the, the people that they're, they're living and working with rather than out of fear of a consequence. And, um, you know, and you have to, 
you know, you know this, you have to deal with the aberrations when they occur and you have to keep from becoming, you know, thinking that, you know, one or two incidents is a trend and that you have to knee jerk reaction, throw in another rule, which is, you know, which is often, often the way things go. Um, so it's sort of holding to that and, and maintaining, uh, uh, positive view of human nature. I think that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the undercurrent of my approach. Oh, that's amazing. Um, the last question has nothing to do with student affairs or perhaps it does, but I know that, and you've mentioned this in this interview that you, um, are a CrossFitter. Is that the term? A a CrossFit enthusiast? Yes. Um, and I was wondering, um, does, do you feel like that connects to your work at all? Or is it something that you do to get away from work? Yeah. Tell me about your connection to CrossFit. Yeah, you know, oh, this is so funny because, of course, the joke is that, you know, any CrossFitter will tell you they're a CrossFitter. I, did. I, I, th- I feel like I'm a proselytizer about it. But I, I started about 10 years ago, and, um, uh, and, it, and it has had such a positive impact on my life in, in a number of ways. But first, it was just, uh, you know, in, in student affairs, you, you sometimes have to deal with really difficult situations and, and really sad situations, you know, deaths of students and, and, you know, and, and, and holding the grief of a community, you know, and being there for, for them. And so it was so wonderful, you know, when I had to go through some of those things to be able to go into the gym and work hard and have a supportive community. And, um, and, and that was really grounding for me. I go, you know, I go most mornings at six or six thirty a.m. and um, and it sets up the whole day. You know, you've had a win before your day even starts, and you start off just with that. You know, adrenaline and all of the the feel good uh, uh, stuff that comes from exercise. So, so that's been wonderful. And I and I also recognized in myself that it it kind of makes you not only physically stronger but mentally stronger. You know, it's some tough workouts and some tough stuff, and you get in there and. You look at the board and you think, I can't do that. And then you do it. And, um, it's, it's, it's sort of just made me, I feel like it's made me a stronger person. And I, over this past year, um, I, I went and did my, my, um, my coaching certification, um, while I was in China. We built out the basement, the, you know, the gym in the basement, one section of it has all of the gear that we need to, to do CrossFit. So I've been coaching CrossFit classes for our students uh, in China in, in our, our basement gym. Um, and it's been, so, it's been so wonderful to see. First, it's, it's been a really fun way for me to connect with students. Um, I'm a yoga instructor as well, and I, I used to lead yoga classes at Quest for um, some of the varsity teams and for, you know, for, for, for groups of students. And, um, and loved being able to connect with students on, on that level. And then, so the same thing, I, I still lead yoga and then, but now CrossFit as well at Schwartzman. And, um, I loved getting to know students that way. And I think it's, you know, I love modeling that, uh, you know, I love, I love just modeling these good habits, especially for students who are, you know, our students, our grads from, from Schwartzman are going on into very immediately into some pretty high level positions that are stressful. And, and, um, you know, I, if they can take away a little bit of, of how grounding and, and, um, uh, how good for yourself, uh, getting the daily exercise in is then, then I, then I'm happy. I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a huge proponent of that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, 
All right, so I don't have any more like formal interview questions for you. I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Are you sure? Are you ready? Yes. So I know you travel a lot. Do you? What are the like the three travel essentials that you would bring on any trip? Oh, let's see. Sunscreen. I'm a burner, and uh, obviously my iPhone. And uh, let me see. Oh, and uh, running shoes. Okay. Um, is there a place that's next on your list to travel to? (laughs) Yeah, we, we get a month off at Chinese new year. Uh, so the end of January to the end of February. So, uh, uh, I'm heading to Bali for the month. Whoa. Okay. I'll meet you there. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. There's a whole crew of people joining me apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what was the last book you read? Oh, you know, I just finished an amazing trilogy, a Chinese author, uh, science fiction um, called The Three-Body Problem. Um, and it's spectacularly amazing, just kind of mind-blowing. Everybody in the college was reading it, and and, and uh, we met for lunch a couple of times to discuss. Um, that one was, was incredibly, incredibly interesting, and they're making it into a movie right now. Um, and then I've just started um, the... I don't know if you've, you've read the book a few years ago by Norman Doidge, The Brain That Changes Itself. It's about uh, neuro, neuroplasticity. neuroplasticity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just fascinated with that one at the time, and it gives so much hope. Um, so he just came out about a year ago with a, a second one that follows up on some of his research. So I, I'm just uh, just uh, getting into that one now. Nice. Um, do you have any nicknames? <laughs> uh, no, most people just call me Mel or Melly. Um, do you have any secret talents? Oh, I don't know. I mean, cooking, um, that's a good, no, talent. I don't think so. besides, besides yoga and CrossFit, I, I'm trying to think of if I have any, any other secret ones. No, sorry. I'm not an amazing singer or anything like that. Um, if you could pick a song that would play loudly every time you walked into a room, what would that song be? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, let me see. Oh, I wish you had asked me that in advance so I could think about <laughs> that more because there's so many possibilities. Um, um, maybe I'm feeling good. Nina Simone. Oh, brilliant. I love it. Um, I feel like next time I see you, I'm going to try to have it queued up. So it plays when you enter the room. Nice. Um, They use that one to great effect in, um, are you watching the handmaid's tale? No, not yet. Ooh, it's dark and wonderful. And, um, uh, anyway, there's a scene in that where you'll, you'll, uh, you'll love that song. It's just perfect. Um, what's one of the things you miss most about Canada? Um, it can be like a person, place or thing. Oh, undoubtedly clean air. Okay. Gotcha. Um, the last question, which is the question that we use to end all of our interviews is, I mean, this is a relay. So who are, uh, some folks that we should interview next? Let's see. Um, some, some, let's see, I've got so many, there's so many great people in, in student, uh, affairs in Canada. Um, like Yusuf Faratia from, um, SFU. Okay. 
is fantastic. Um, Sonia Knudsen in, um, in Newfoundland from Memorial University has just done super interesting stuff in um, international internationalization, international students. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah, both of them, both of them would be great. Amazing. Oh, okay. Phenomenal. Um, well, that, that brings us to the end of our time together. Um, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And uh, I know that it was a bit tricky to find the right time with time changes and you being in North America and trying to find the right time. So thank you for, for making it happen. No, thanks so much. I was so honored to get your email and, and request. And it's fun to reconnect with the Canadian um, student affairs uh, team. I've, I've been out of the loop and I haven't been to caucus in the last two years uh, and have, re- have really missed that. Well, maybe we can try to organize some partnerships and so maybe caucus in Beijing. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how that would work, but maybe, maybe one day. caucus in Bali. <laughs> oh, I'm starting that petition tonight. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Melanie. Excellent. Thanks so much, Adam. Nice talking with you. So good, right? That was great. I, yeah. That was great. I understand your fan, your fandom of her. Yeah. You're standing, you're stan. That's what the cool kids said. I'm standing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I just really value the way that uh, Melanie connects her, her interests, her sense of well-being and her sense of community and just really welcomes the students she's working with into that uh, and it was just wonderful to hear about her her practice um, we don't think Melanie's on Twitter we searched and searched but we are so if you want to connect with us yes I am at Nads Roses N-A-D-S-R-O-S-E-S and I'm at Adam Kewen K-U-H-N and we encourage you to use the hashtag Relay Essay if you're tweeting about this podcast at all a big thank you and love to Adrian Ross for our theme music And also, if you have any ideas for podcasts or stories you want to tell, please connect with us. We'd be happy to help you get it out there. If you're curious about getting it out there through like a podcast medium, then we'd be happy to lend any of our um, experience or our SoundCloud account to help you do that. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.